ShareCare is the leading online health and wellness engagement platform, providing millions of consumers with a personal, results-oriented experience by connecting them to the most qualified health resources and programs they need to improve their health. It's time now for ShareCare Radio on RadioMD.com. Here's your host, Dr. Daria. Hi, welcome back. It's Dr. Daria. First off, what do you know about slow medicine? What does that mean to you? To answer that question, I have with me Dr. Michael Finkelstein, also known as the Slow Medicine Doctor. He's the author of book Slow Medicine, Hope and Healing for Chronic Illness, and the founder and medical director of Sunraven, the home of slow medicine. He's going to tell us what it is and why this is important for our health. Dr. Finkelstein, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to be with you. Tell me first, you know, what got you interested in, in this concept of slow medicine in the first place and the, diff- the transition from conventional medicine? Well, you know, I was practicing internal medicine as I was trained for many years and realizing that very often, though I thought my advice was really good, people weren't getting better quite as well as I had hoped or they had hoped. And it got to a point in my own life when I turned 40 where my blood pressure was starting to rise and somebody said to me, Michael, I think you're going to need a medication. And it struck me that the question my patients have been asking me, you know, isn't there something else, was a really good question. It got me to think about, you know, what was the, you know, the limits and the limitations of Western medicine. You know, great for emergencies, great for life, you know, threatening mm-hmm. things. But for the chronic conditions in which we live, the, the, you know, the stuff that happens every day, there may be a better way. And so I started to explore that and realized that we're actually all experiencing a common syndrome, which I would call sympathetic overdrive, this fight-or-flight mm-hmm. response in the locked-on position, the fast, fast, mm-hmm. fast world and how it affects us. And... That leads to a whole bunch of cellular metabolic phenomena that underlies the root cause of many of the things that ail us. And therefore, the treatment is to reverse that or to pause that, which is to promote the parasympathetic nervous system, which in a word is slow. So Mm -hmm. I think what we need is slow. Interesting. And you're right that we all run around with such high levels of stress and the impact of that on our health. So you're turning that on its head effectively with slow medicine. Yeah, because stress produces that fight-or-flight response. In a Mm -hmm. way, it was designed beautifully to help us really flee from a bear behind the tree. But in our world now, a lot of what scares us that way is virtual. It's not necessarily really happening in our lives. We see images of people being hurt or threatened or have concepts and concerns about things that are far away. Mm -hmm. Yet our body responds with this fight-or-flight response. Locked on, it's not good for us. So we do need something to deal with that. Yeah, you're right. It's so true. Our brain hasn't evolved from the same fight or flight of a tiger is chasing me, I have to run, versus the challenges that we see from work or something on TV, which are not the same mortal threats as a tiger chasing me and not a way to live. Physiology is wired in such a way that it really needs to protect us from the mortal threats. Mm -hmm. Um, Our lives are more complicated. They're different than they used to be. Yeah, that's is for sure. So what is the slow medicine approach to health? Well, you know, I start off often asking people how they define health, because if we follow our culture's guidance on this in conventional medicine, which is that it's largely the physical measurements and the parameters, you know, that, that doctors talk to us about, we limit ourselves. Health, to me, is an assortment of, you know, phenomena that are interrelated. Our physical body, for sure, but how it relates to our mental-emotional state, how it relates to our relationships, our life's purpose, and how... Our relationships and our body and our mind help us actually pursue something that's meaningful that makes all of this, you know, sensible and allows us to tolerate the 
challenges. So to me, health is a functional state of being that allows us to live our lives, our lives well. Excuse me. Um, so it, you're right. So it's, health isn't just in the measure of your blood pressure or your cholesterol. It is a fun, I love that. It's a functional state of being. So what do you, what's the first step when you see a patient and you really want to take them through this concept? What's the first questions that you ask them? Well, you know, I explore with them the different facets of their life because they all interrelate. They're all connected. And while the physical body may be the dominant concern mm-hmm. that most of my patients come to me with, I try to put that in the context of what else is going on in their lives. So I start off by asking them a series of questions, essentially taking an inventory with them about the other things that are going on, their relationships, their work, you know, how they sleep, how they feel, how they deal with emotion, uh, what they're doing on a day-to-day basis with their time, what they put in their bodies. All those things are relevant, uh, not always because they're always a problem for people, but I look for the opportunities to bring things back together. I look for the mm-hmm. low-hanging fruit. I look for the stuff that they can do something about, and I try to build back their strength by reconnecting those dots. I love that you mentioned, I mean, so many of those things, especially relationships. At Sherka, we have the real age test, and we have found, just like you said, that relationships and having those strong social relationships truly impacts how how long somebody lives and their lifespan. So I want to hear more from you about that, about that connection. Well, you know, we're social beings by nature, and much of why we want to live, what interests us, what, you know, what we care about is because it has to do with other people. Uh, either it's our intimate relationships, our familial relationships, relationships we have with people who are working side by side with us that are doing something meaningful. And we want a good body so that we can continue to do that for a long time. So the idea is that we know that in the best scenarios, those relationships support us, they feed us, they nurture us, they encourage us. But then there are this other set of relationships that are toxic, that deplete us. Mm-hmm. So to be healthy, one needs to cultivate the positive relationships and do something with those that are, you know, drawing away from us. And mm-hmm. the slow medicine approach then helps people do both and to get stronger from within. Ultimately, the relationship with self is where we start, which is why do you deserve to be healthy? Why, you know, what is going to make a difference in terms of how you feel and what's going to keep you in alignment with what you know is good for you? Really looking at that primary drivers for health. You know, you talk about living from the heart. What do you mean by that? Is that referring to what you're discussing? Very much, because, you know, people need a certain amount of energy to do this sort of work. You know, it's easy to pop a pill. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the other hand, if I'm going to make changes in my life, let's say I'm going to change the job that I, I go to every day because I can't stand it and it's really abusive or hurting me or not supporting me, that's a big change. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to harder. That, yes. One needs to find energy to make such a decision work for them. And the energy comes from our passion, from our purpose, and that's the heart. You know, the heart literally is in the center of our body. Uh, it also is in the center energetically, if you look at it from systems like Ayurveda, Eastern medicine, where it's the connection between the upper zones and the lower zones. It's where the mind and the emotion and the purpose meet the body. And mm-hmm. so if we come from that place, we can draw on the greatest strength. And if we do things that follow our heart, we're going to be best. I mean, I can tell you to exercise, and you can go to a gym, and you can carry sandbags around the room. But if I told you to carry those sandbags to buy, build a dike to save a big city from a flood, <laughs> the energy you would have for those two things would be very different because your heart would be likely into this really you know, motivational and this meaningful work 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just exercise. Now it's real. And think mm-hmm. of the difference of energy that you have with the heart working versus you know, brain. That's a fascinating metaphor. And it, it gets to even those stories you hear of, you know, if you asked some woman to lift up something heavy or um, push a car, she would say, I can't. But then you hear stories of mothers, if their child is trapped by something, have these superhuman strength feats to save their child. It gets to, if it's coming from your heart, you have that drive to do that. That's why my subtitle is Hope and Healing. There's hope because we see that in extraordinary circumstances aligned well, people have great resources and great energy, and they can do things they may not have thought they could do on a typical day. And so Mm -hmm. my work is to help people find those resources, find that strength, that inner strength, which is from the heart, the real meaning of what they're doing. If a doctor tells you to get off the couch, you you might do that if they scare you, but if you want to play with your grandchildren on the floor until you're, you know, 99 years old, mm-hmm. that's another reason you'll get off the couch. Mm-hmm. That's move more people than just being frightened by a physician's statement. Far more. So true. So how can our listeners kind of start to, you know, live from the heart as you talk about? What are some steps? Well, you know, it's very important to look at what we do on a day-to-day basis and, and try to, like I said, take that inventory of what's working, what really feels right, where do you have the most energy? And what do you do where you're sort of going through the motions, where you don't feel so energetic? Tease that out a little bit. Essentially, the, the first rule is to do more of the things that you know, feed you, that fuel your energy, and do less of the things that don't. Mm-hmm. When you get to the point where it's your job or your marriage or something that needs to change, which is, can be daunting, rather than just you know, d- jump into it before you're ready, you need to prepare yourself for that climb. You need to get in shape. That's when you need to take care of your body. That's when you need to take care of your body-mind. That's where you need to develop community relationships and, mm-hmm. you know, and have, reconnect yourself to the natural world, meaning the rhythms and cycles of nature, like going to sleep when it gets dark and resting one day a week. I mean, these are things that find our way through the heart to actually get healthier and stronger. And so mm-hmm. it's that initial assessment. What really feels right to us? I can wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning when I'm going to go visit my son in New Orleans. Um, <laughs> on a typical day, if you told me to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, I would drag out of bed. Yeah. Um, we have to do things we love. That's the, that's the key to any successful plan. That is such a fascinating take on it. You're right. It is our, our motivations behind why we're doing something is a difference between jumping out of bed and hitting that snooze button. Literally and metaphorically. And so, we, everyone has that in their own life. They have examples where they see, same me, same diet, same nonsense in all my life. But if I have a good reason to wake up, I get out of bed much differently than if it's not such a good reason. And so what creates that shift? It's a mental, emotional component that really, that, that's the heart component. That's where the mm-hmm. emotion, the mind meets the body. That's why that's such a key place. And that's why my work really is centered around what do people love. I just don't want to give them sort of arbitrary advice and recommendations. I want to hear from them. I want to know who they are. Mm -hmm. I want them to maybe look closer in the mirror to see themselves, to love themselves, to appreciate themselves, and then to come from that place. Okay, so step one is to really look at what you love, what gets you out of bed, jumping out of bed. Love that. Um, I want to move on from relationships a little bit to fulfillment. And you talk about how the lack of fulfillment is kind of at the root of a lot of our unhealthiness. How can you find more of that? I think it kind of builds on what we've been talking about and find yeah. more of that in your own life. Well, it is all related, just as you said. I mean, when we think of the word fulfillment, I would use the word nourishment to elucidate this mm-hmm. concept further, which is we can feed ourselves physically. 
but there's emotional nourishment we need and spiritual nourishment. So when we think of fulfillment, the ideal is to combine them. You know, people eat emotionally. We talk about that all the time. Mm -hmm. So they're hungry for something, not necessarily food, but for connection, for relationships. They're feeling lonely or isolated or maybe angry. So they, they look for something to feed them. Now, instead of maybe writing and being creative and artistic, they go for the Haganah. Mm-hmm. This is um, what we see. So if we can find ways of feeding or, and nourishing our emotional and spiritual self and taking care of our body, we wind up in a synergistic way feeling full, feeling vital, feeling happy. And that nourishment trickles down on every level, including every single one of ourselves, which we need to be strong and feel good and have our immune system be healthy, get through life with minimal disease and you know, inflammation. So mm-hmm. fulfillment is just, you know, a, another way of saying, how do we feed ourselves and what mm-hmm. do we need to, okay. you know, nourish? Yeah. So I guess step one is finding what you love. And then step two for this and f- fulfillment is really seeking that out and you know, filling yourself with that. Yeah. And it's part of that is to take out the garbage too, you know, mm-hmm. so you need room to, to, to fill. Mm-hmm. So if our mind is occupied with all sorts of things that are preoccupying us, stress, anxiety, irritation, um, there's no room potentially for love to flow in. That's why people have such challenges in relationships. Part of what we need to do is let go of some stuff. We need to work things through. We need to process them. We may need creative ways of doing that as well. Um, similarly, our body can accumulate plenty of toxins through what we ingest and breathe and drink. And so... Every once in a while, we need to promote the detoxification mechanisms that exist, but we mm-hmm. can sort of do better than just hoping they do their own work by themselves. Right. And spiritually, we need, I think, very much to connect with something greater than ourselves. Otherwise, it sort of gets routinized, this life. And it gets mm-hmm. the question, what happens at the end of life and afterlife? And, you know, without really attending to that, I think we wind up sort of feeling a little down and depressed. We want to know there's a great future, even... Right maybe through our whole lives and afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Now, you had mentioned, you know, when we get so overwhelmed by stressful things and, you know, the anxieties, I think all of us would say, okay, that sounds great. How do I keep myself from getting overwhelmed with this? How do I remove those or, or you know, quiet them a little bit so that I have room for this good? Well, it's, it's the way we live our lives. It's understanding that it's not about just going to a doctor, getting checked up, and, you know, and then maybe taking the pills that are recommended or the procedures. It's about what we do on the other 364 days, mm-hmm. starting with the morning and the afternoon and the evening, how we sleep. And so I break this down to make it more digestible into seven pieces that I put onto this wheel of health I call the slow medicine wheel of health. And it has seven spokes. Mm-hmm. Physical body, the mental, emotional state, our relationships to other people, our relationships to the natural world, to the divine, our communities, and our life's purpose, which drives the entire. And I tell people to spend some time every day trying to do things for each of those. In fact, Mm -hmm. trying to connect the dots, multitask, healthy multitask. So you can eat great food, you know, which everyone says and agrees on is the best diet, or you can eat that same food, put it on a table with some flowers and candles, invite the closest people to you, say, you know, have a moment of gratitude, bring it all in, bring nature, bring your friends, bring your love, and eat that food. Mm-hmm. The difference has tremendous impact. So through our entire day, through this type of mindfulness, connecting the dots of these seven spokes, this is how you do it. 
It's constantly reevaluating your heart, where you're coming from, why you want to be healthy, and then taking action and not getting overwhelmed. It's not a perfect diet. It's not as much exercise as you may think. It's making sure that each of these areas is touched upon on a regular basis, and that's how we build strength. That's how we also live our lives in joy and, and ease. We don't have mm-hmm. to feel it's a chore all the time. Right. It's taking it, and I think exactly looking at your drivers and why you're doing it takes it from being a chore to something that you know brings you joy in the end. And that's and I such see a that in my patients difference. all the time. They come to right. me, you know, they're usually, after seeing many other people, they're somewhat frustrated. They've tried a lot of things. You know, that's what's mm-hmm. remarkable these days. People have a lot of good access to information so that they can try, but they haven't necessarily connected the dots. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I tell them, like a man with diabetes, it's not just the diet, but, you know, having dinner with his family a couple of nights a week was what changed his life. A woman who was, couldn't get pregnant because of infertility had to reestablish her home. She was out all the time entertaining. So it was, there's some ways of reminding people that this is the essence of life. It's our connections and getting back to the first subject, which is our relationships. Mm-hmm. I see this in my patients all the time, that this is what is the linchpin. This is what converts all these good practices, which don't seem to have a catalyst, and finding the catalyst that actually propels them forward in their life. And is that how somebody can lower their stress levels in general? By Is that the key thing, or are there other tips? You mentioned having meals with your family. And does by focusing on the wheel, does the stress level itself just naturally decline? Well, I, yes, you know, it, in, in two ways. One is when you do that, you're making wiser choices as far as what you do mm-hmm. with your time. You're putting yourself into better positions so that you're more likely to have a good time than a stressful one. Mm-hmm. But the other thing you do is you build in your body and your body's complex this resist- resiliency so that when something stressful happens, you return to neutral more effectively. This is the basis for meditation. This is the basis for the slow practices where people take deep breaths, stimulating the parasympathetic nervous system by you know, expanding the diaphragm. This is, you know, it can be done physically, and it can be done also by just how we choose to spend our time. And so by doing that, we not only lessen stress, but we improve our response to it. And that's how we get through life with far less disturbance. You know, it's mm-hmm. going to happen. There are going to be storms. But how we respond when it's happening is really going to be the difference between somebody who lives their life healthy in this functional state of being and somebody who struggles and suffers. Mm-hmm. And has the health consequences of it. Uh, Dr. Okay. Singh, this is fascinating. I love it. I want to tell, as we close, all of our listeners how they can find more and how they can find this uh, wheel of health, the Slow Medicine Wheel of Health. Is that all at slowmedicinedoctor.com? Yes, everything's on the website, and it's, it's there. There's a lot of things I've written, other, mm-hmm. you know, other information and ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, my interest is to help people, Wonderful. so it's there. I love it. This has been fantastic. Really getting to the drivers of what brings you joy and letting that create true health. And again, everyone, all of our listeners, you can find Dr. Finkelstein on Twitter at Slow Medicine Doctor and slowmedicinedoctor.com. This is Dr. Daria, and you're listening to Share Care Radio on Radio MD, where we help you be your healthiest you. Thanks for listening and stay well. Stay well.